0: Hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Mitzi and this is Mitzi. Let's think about it. So today we're thinking about caring with an open heart. And Lordy, do I have someone here named Irina that is going to be sharing with us today how she was able to open her heart to so many beautiful souls that needed her loving. (laughs) Being a foster parent is not for the weak, (laughs) So Irina, thank you again for coming on my show. How are you doing today?
1: Yes, good morning from Australia, Sydney. And thank you, Mithi, for having me on the show. Um, yeah, great starting my day. And what a better way to start it than to share that yeah, we need plenty of foster carers and I'm sure it's you know the same over where you are, because unfortunately we can never find enough. <laughs>
0: I know, I know. That's what I keep hearing. That is very short supply. Unfortunately, there's more children in the system than there are parents that are able to actually, you know, help them and and everything like that. And I guess my biggest question is, you know, why do you think it's so hard for people to want to open up their hearts and their homes to foster children?
1: I actually think that we have plenty of people out there. They just don't know about this. Or, you know, it blows my mind when I hear that people have called an agency to find out more about it and they never got back to them. And we we also, I'm not saying that this is the biggest part of it, but we also have people who, you know, they think that, that maybe they could do it, but right now is not the best time. And I'll tell you, I mean, we've had, you know, kids, we do all kinds of care. So there are different types of care, which also a lot of people don't know. They really think, oh, you know, you get a kid and then you have to commit kind of, you know, forever and ever. It's not like that. You have different types of care. You can also offer, for example, respite care, which means that whoever has a child in their care and they need a break for whatever reason, either because they have, you know, a surgery in hospital or um they just want to reconnect with their own biological kids and for whatever reason they had a you know a skiing trip booked and then they had a baby placed with them and you know all these reasons why people you know or they need to look after an elderly for a few weeks or anything like that so they need respite care which means that you take the the children that they have in their care for a certain time frame you get a beginning date and an end date And then other kids, we also do emergency, so which means it's, you know, the police or the department are at the house, there's domestic violence incident, and these kids just need to go somewhere safe. So then they call us and they say, hey, can we bring you two, three kids within the hour? And then we say, yes, okay, fine. They bring them and two, three days later, they find a grandparent or an auntie or an uncle. can actually look after them so they just make sure that that house is safe and then the kids are transferred so you know it's not you know and then you have other kids that yes they come into care and you think it's going to be a month or two and 18 months later they're still with you (laughs) and uh, you know and then they're not being reunited because that's always our aim with fostering that we are hoping that you know birth family gets a chance to just get back on track and make it a safe home again and that the kids get reunited with them. I mean, that's always our aim because children should always, always remain with the birth family for their culture, for their identity, for everything really, if it is safe to do so. And then sometimes kids cannot be reunited because the time frame that was given to the family, you know, it wasn't enough and the place is not safe. Yeah, then we are looking hey you know the kid is already in your care are you able to look for look after it for much longer or even until the age of 18 and you know we all know that at 18 not everybody moves out (laughs) so which means then you know most likely it could even be for life and uh, but that's up to you as a volunteer offering your home to these kids so it's not something that you have to say yes to but you know if you are happy and the kid is happy then why would we move them again you know so this is where a lot of people just feel a bit overwhelmed with it all and they don't really know what options there are so the more we can educate people and this is why i'm here that <laughs> uh, you know the more we can share this yeah yes. I, w- I would love to work with IVF clinics, for example, you know, here in Australia, because I'm thinking. I mean, I've gone through IVF myself. My my thing is actually that I read a book at the age of 15 about fostering. Uh, well, actually, about a child being abused, and then him ending up in foster care, and that just stuck with me. And I thought, oh my god, you know, if if ever I can help a kid like this, I would love to. And so I always wanted to foster, no matter if I had my own kids and then you know how it turned out is that we also uh, had a miscarriage we also had a stillborn and we went through ivf to have our biological child so which means you know <laughs> you never know what the future holds and there are so many different ways now of creating your family
0: yeah that's true that's very true i was uh, just about to ask you that what got you into fostering but you kind of just answered that question so <laughs> You took it from me, but I'm so glad you said it because I think it's it's important that it just shows just by reading a story, it moved your heart where it changed the directory of your life where you were like, no, I'm going to be that person to open my my doors no matter what. And was it hard for your husband to be on track to what you already decided when you were 15 or was he <laughs> already on board? Like, yes, I love you. Let's do this. <laughs> Well, I think he knows happy wife, happy life, (laughs) right? That's the best
1: way. So so for me, it was actually, you know, something I had decided at the age of 15. And I was just hoping that my future prince would go along with it. And then I didn't find him until about, you know, 15 years later. So it took a while and, uh, you know, life gets busy and I was in the airline industry and, you know, Yeah, so much was going on. And then when I did find him, he actually traveled 200 days a year for work. And when I came here to Australia, so he's Australian. I'm originally from Germany. We Mm -hmm. met somewhere in the world. And then I decided to come out here to Australia. And because of my visa status, being a spouse on the spouse visa, I wasn't allowed to work, which is, you know, such a silly rule. But anyway... I had all this time on my hands. So from working, 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 I suddenly was thinking, okay, husband is gone, I'm sitting here, <laughs> what am I going to do? And I read all these local papers that were looking for foster carers, and I had never seen that before in any other country. And then I was like, oh, but that's what I always wanted to do. So I actually called him, and he was abroad, and I said, you, you know, this is something I always wanted to do. I wanted to maybe even adopt one day foster kids. And he was like, yeah, but aren't trying to have our own kids. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I always wanted to do this anyway. So how about it? And, but, you know, you need to be in town to do the assessment and this and that. And he says, I don't know. I never thought of it. I? You know, so he wasn't 100% convinced, but he knew that I needed something to occupy myself. I had all this time. And this was something I felt so passionate about that he was like, okay. And, you know, once we got going, and and then we also we were in singapore for a while and we were the, like the second caucasian couple to foster kids there and then we heard about this baby that needed a home and he was like oh but i don't know if i can really you know like for life and and you know but after we had other kids in care he was like yeah all right and then we adopted a baby from singapore and then i fell pregnant through IVF. But, you know, um, and he was like, oh, my gosh, I don't know if I can love that one as much as the first. And I was like, "Okay, just don't worry about things. (laughs) Just chill. And the rest is history. You know, we've had over 80 kids now come through our home. And we have also adopted a second daughter from when we got back to Australia. She was supposed to stay with us for three or four months. And then eighteen months later she was still with us and then they asked if we wanted to adopt and we were like, Yes, of course, you know. So yeah. So we've got three permanent kids and then others come and go. <laughs>
0: Oh, wow. That's amazing. I think that's beautiful to have your heart be open to people in general. And I love the fact that you were like, don't worry about it. We'll, We'll figure it out because there's no stopping or no limitation when it comes to love. You know what I mean? And if you have a loving and caring heart, I truly believe that. There, it's limitless, you know. You could do so much and and impact so many people's lives, and I think it's it's beautiful to have people who. Foster because, you know, you guys are a hidden gem. <laughs>
1: well, sometimes you just overthink it, you know. I mean, I, I remember once at 1 a.m. the phone went, because like I say, you, you can say yes or no to doing emergency, but I was really deep asleep and they called me and they said, oh, listen, we have this 11-year-old, she's been at the police station for, you know, three hours, you're my 20th caller, please, you know, can you take this kid? And I was like oh, okay, okay, yes, all right, sure. And I hung up and I was like, oh, what have I just done? I mean, I had just agreed to teach the next day online and I thought, mm-hmm. oh, my husband is out, the kids are out, there's nobody here except me and I'm teaching, how, can, how is this going to work? And then I said, well, it's just going to work. It doesn't matter, she's in a safe place, she'll come here and somehow I'll work it out. And she was so easygoing, such a gorgeous, gorgeous girl that we thought... You know, sometimes we just overthink things. It's just, you know, it's just somehow it will all fall into place. So,
0: yeah. So I'm I'm curious, has there ever been a real challenging time where you were like, this is so much? Has that ever happened to you before? Many
1: times, many times. (laughs) I really, you know, I'm not trying to sugarcoat it here. I think, uh, you know, parenting in itself is hard. I also find parenting with technology incredibly hard. And this goes for our three kids, as well as for any other kids that come, you know. So, yeah, now we've seen behaviors that were very surprising that I had never even heard about. But that's also why I think it's incredibly important as a foster carer to be trauma-informed, that you actually understand what... You know, might trigger these kids. Um, every behavior has a reason behind it. So sometimes bad attention is better than no attention. So if kids have been neglected and you know they're just playing up because hey, <laughs> nobody in the past has paid attention, so why would anybody pay attention now? Yeah. And you, you need to figure out what it is that makes these kids tick and and why they do what they do. And I think one of the biggest Things that, you know, people say, oh, but, you know, what do these kids come with, with behaviors and so on? Honestly, the majority uh, are kids that just need routine boundaries that, you know, they didn't have before. But one thing that comes up quite a bit is dysregulation. So these kids, you know, have seen domestic violence have seen you know the screaming the yelling and the punching Uh, so for them if you have an issue that's what you do you know so this is this is something that a lot of kids needed to learn that uh, i really uh, didn't understand before how important it is as a parent that if you see your child sad that you actually name it to tame it you know that you say oh i can see that you're sad and yeah that must be really hard and you know you you go with that but you explain to the child what's going on for them. And these kids have never had anybody explain it. So, uh, you know, you you need to teach these kids that, okay, I can see you're angry and it's okay to be angry, but how do we handle it when you're angry? So when you feel that, you know, your stomach gets tight or your hands go into a fist, what are you going to do now? Let's look at different strategies. So in this house, we, we don't punch, we don't kick, we don't, you know speed or whatever else um so let's look at strategies that the next time you feel like that so you're acknowledging the feelings that they are going through but you also show them a new way of you know dealing with these really emotions because i mean they've been frightened all their life they've been you know tiptoeing around other people who had mood swings and outbursts and you know alcohol drugs whatever it may be and these kids just need to regulate themselves and it's incredibly important, and I've never really understood until I became a carer, how emotional regulation and emotional intelligence is just absolutely vital. And we take so many things for granted in a you know normal kind of household that is stable because, yeah, that's oh, yeah. what we are brought up with. but if kids don't have that guidance, then it's very hard for them.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely true. I've heard that before where that's one of the biggest things that having that emotional understanding and patience to actually talk it out so that they can see different ways to express themselves, you know, when they're going through the motions and when they're going through everything that's either a routine or what's expected or just out of the ordinary so that they relearn how to manage themselves going forward. And it's true, just like you said. People don't realize that not everybody's taught the same way, that everybody is is the same. You know, We just assume and we just place it under common sense, but in reality, not a lot of people have that, that luxury of having somebody explain to you, like, this is not how you do it. Let's do it a different way. So I love the fact that you brought that up because I think people do need to understand that common sense isn't your common sense. It's not my common sense. It's everyone's common sense is going to be different because it's what they grew up. It's your perspective. So it's going to be subjective. And I think it needs to be repeated over and over and over again. So people can get it. (laughs) Yeah. And, and,
1: and any which way it needs to be repeated, because this is how our brain heals, you know? So I've also become a neuro change practitioner because I find neuroscience absolutely incredible. I mean, it is mind blowing, what our brain can do and how our brain, you know, develops and how it can heal. And the key thing is really repetition, repetition, repetition of positive experiences, because the brain cannot differentiate between good and bad. The brain just differentiates between what has happened a lot in your experience and what we, oh, you know, this happened a lot. So that must be what I believe of myself. So if you're told that you're worth nothing, that you will never amount to anything, and this is repeated and repeated, and pre- repeated in your brain, then that's the template you have in your brain. And then you can come along and say, oh, but oh, gee, you did a great job here. And you're really smart at how you did that. And the brain goes, hmm, no, that doesn't fit my template. Oops, out it goes. So you need to really repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. And, you know, I mean, as a parent, you feel you repeat yourself like a parrot anyway. <laughs> but then when you have kids that have, you know, such a negative perception of themselves, you have to repeat yourself even more because that's yeah. how ingrained that belief is in their brain. And if we want the brain to heal, we need to repeat, repeat, repeat. And at some point the brain will realize, "Hmm, okay. Hmm, this thing about being smart that came up a few times. So, okay, let's leave that here. And hmm, the other one actually is not being used so much. Let's get that out. You know, this is how the brain functions. And I, I just find that absolutely fascinating.
0: It is, I do. I think uh, oh, the brain is very, very fascinating. I think neuroscience and psychology and any science that has to do with the brain, to be honest, is absolutely amazing to me. And I love to dive into it because it just, I, I can't even fathom how amazing our brain works to not only protect ourselves but to help ourselves and and to evolve in such a way that we can't even even comprehend and it's a beautiful thing like we need to tap into our mind more than what people actually acknowledge that you can do you know and that's the sad thing about it is that they don't teach this type of science at a young age when I feel like they should because if if more children knew how to tap into their own greatness by tapping into their mind then imagine the wonders that could possibly be happening you know what I mean just I mean you've seen it you've seen different children come and go in your lives and and the work that you've done I guess my question is have you seen a difference in them after you were done working with them and having them in your home
1: Oh, yeah, of course, you know, and it can come from little things like, for example, nobody paying attention to the child's academic achievements and children are really left behind because nobody sits down to read to them. And when you get kids that are, you know, all over the place emotionally and they cannot sit still and they're like, you know, constantly on the go because that's what their brain was used to then when you sit down and you start to read a book, I'm really, I'm such a vivid reader. (laughs) And I think it is such a gift you can give these kids, any kids and, and I would sit there and just read the book, but, you know, the kid would be all over in the room and just like kind of just listen to it, but not really listening. And then every day I would try again and again, and several times throughout the day. And at some point then they might sit and just have a look at the picture and then they run off again. And, you know, so this is repeated again and again and again, and at some point they will sit and they will sit five minutes and then they run off again and then they will sit 10 minutes and then they will actually start to sit through the book and then you know they will be "Hmm," leaning against you like first they will sit on the other side of the sofa and just kind of listen and then they come closer and closer and then they lean against you and then next time they say oh let's read a book and they climb on your lap and they want to read the book and then you know that you're getting somewhere and you know that you know the child is starting to trust you and this child is you know, really then in awe of the books and then it wants to learn itself to read the books. And then, yeah, you see great changes, you know, just for them to calm down, to not have nightmares at home uh, at night, you know, and for them to trust you to hold hands when you cross the road and then they don't let go because they're really starting to trust you. You know, it's, it's really beautiful to watch. And just also kids taking pride in their appearance where before, you know, they might be wearing the same clothes every day and they don't believe in, you know, putting on fresh underwear every day and just little things like that. I mean, we've yeah. had kids that had never even seen a toothbrush <laughs> and you're in today's day and age, doesn't every child brush their teeth at least twice a day? And no, you know, so, and then when you, we also had a 13 year old that, you know, he had one school uniform. So when he came, I was like, what, one school uniform? No, let's buy some more. And, you know, can you put fresh underwear every day? And can you put, and he was like, oh, no need, no need. And then he realized that, the, and he was, you know, in Singapore and it was so hot and, Sorry, exactly. but his clothes stank, you know, mm. and then uh, then he realized that actually having clean clothes and so my husband then gave him an aftershave and, you know, first he was like not really in the bathroom and then we couldn't get him out of the bathroom because he took such pride in his appearance because he could actually see the difference that people now suddenly sat beside him where before, you know, they couldn't sit beside him because, yeah, really, I mean, he smelled, you know, and uh, just that in itself to see that that they take pride that they walk a bit taller that yeah i just think those are the beautiful moments that you know that yeah you are making a difference even (laughs) might be a slight little difference every day and yes you need to repeat yourself but you know eventually you will definitely see the difference
0: well i love that i love those stories because it just shows how innocent children are and it just shows how um, vulnerable and how much they can soak up, you know, and just harden if you're not given in the right environment. But when you're able to go, grow and evolve in the right environment, you know, limitless things are possible, you know, to hear that child was when it coming from just a, an and a not caring attitude to, okay, I understand why you should care. You know, that's just a flip of a switch that probably led his life in a whole different directory now, just by realizing that somebody else cared for me, so I should care for myself. And then, oh, once I started caring for myself, uh, more people started caring for me. So that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that with me. And I just want to know, why did you write your book? You know, Why share these stories with other parents or just with other people in general? Because I would
1: like to find more people that open their homes. And like I said, you know, when you look at, when you even go through, IVF or there are so many people out there that have, you know, infertility issues and they think, oh my gosh, you know, I can never be a mom. There are plenty of kids to choose from. You can literally put in your requests on what age group you want, what sex you want. You know, it's like really it's unfortunately that we have all kids of all sizes and shapes and colors and, you know, so if you're open to being a mom, then just, put in your mind that, hey, I'm happy to have a child, even if it's just for a shorter period of time, but I'm going to give them the feeling of a home. And if you're open to maybe even adopting or looking after a kid till the 18, the age of 18 and beyond, then yeah, I mean, you just have to stick around long enough, because obviously not all kids will be reunited with birth family. So I just want to raise awareness. I just find it in... Australia, we actually have these kids sitting in motel rooms now because we don't have orphanages.
0: Wow. So these
1: kids are in motel rooms and they have eight hour shifts of youth workers and different people coming and going, looking after these kids when really they should be, you know, around the dinner table in a family setting. So it breaks my heart and that's why, yeah, when I had a chance to be in these books, these are all book collaborations and it's just like one little chapter in each book. But I'm hoping that by just, you know, somebody reading it, it might plant a seed. And I think we all know maybe a sister or a sister-in-law or a cousin or a niece that maybe is struggling with fertility that, you know, give them time to grieve the process that they can't have any biological kids, but then... To maybe consider, hey, you know, how about fostering? How about adoption? And then take them down that route. So that's my with all of this.
0: (laughs) I love that. I love that mission because it's a, a noble, a humble mission to help other women, you know, other just people in general, you know, wanting to be a parent, but just are unable to do so themselves. And I do think this is a great way. I mean, if you have a lot of love to give, why not give it to these kids who are, yearning and needing this love and, and attention, you know, especially if you have it, why not Go forward and step in and into it and really embrace it because i think it's like you said earlier it's all in our mind we we kind of make things bigger than what they are and then once you actually are in the moment you're like oh isn't that bad? okay it's actually pretty cool this for a while you know so i think that's yeah. awesome that that you did this and i know you already said so much great information on the show but what can be some lasting words that you can leave our audience off with just keep on thinking
1: Yeah, if you, you know, if you would like to just have a bit more information about it, then please, you know, visit my website and just, I'm happy to share all three book chapters for free with anybody who is interesting. I'm not in here to make money off this. I really would like to just share as much as I can with people for the need to have foster carers. So if you're willing to find out more about it, then please, please get in touch.
0: Awesome. Well, there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, you guys heard it from first from and I'm so glad again that you came onto my show and you shed some lights onto this topic of fostering and just opening your hearts and just having a different perspective, walking into this, you know, into this area, so thank you again for coming and sharing your time with me. I know it's early over there and it's late over here, so <laughs> it's a little topsy-turvy. Oh, okay. But I'm so happy that we made the time to meet up because this was a much needed conversation for somebody out there to listen to and to think about this. And if anybody does want to check out Edina's website, please I have her beautiful photo on my website. Just just click right under there, and you can go directly to her website to find all the great things that Edina has to offer to you. So there you go. Always, always, always keep thinking out. Bye.